I left the city, I've been browsing. Treading water that they drowning. My head on the swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 138 of the Smash Accept Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at DynastyDadFF. Doing a fun collaboration this week with my man Zoltan. And we, we, we're going to break down how to properly you know, rebuild your team. This will be the fourth time that we've done that You know, at Smash Accept. We're kind of looking things here of a tried and true process. Of, if you guys did this last year... You have Garrett Wilson, you have Chris Olave, you have you know Drake London, and now you're in a spot where you're literally going to be adding the quarterbacks and the running backs to this core. And I'm excited to chop it up. Without further ado, Dynasty Zoltan, how you doing tonight? Good, good, doing well. Excited to be here talking rebuild for you. Uh, with you, this is really where our bread is buttered in the Dynasty space. This is where we make our money. And I know that you and I have both made quite a lot of it following some of the strategies that we're going to outline today. Um I'd love to start off with you to talk about what what is a rebuild? What do you define as a rebuild versus a retool? How many years does it have to be? How do you think about that? Yeah, that's that's a perfect question because so many people are like they're they want they're afraid to go into that deep rebuild. And I look at the difference between a retool is one to two years away. So a retool for me is you know I, I, my wide receivers are aging, so I'm going to scale back and I, or I'm going to move around some pieces so I can be ready in a year. You know, and I think I, it's easier to retool mid season and try to figure out where you can be for next year. A rebuild and the the process that we use is a six step program where it's this is going to be a deep rebuild. This is going to be two years because when we run you through this. By the time you're done, you are going to have a roster that's not ready for to win year one. You know, you're going to have a roster that's ready year two, three, four, five, six, and you're going to run your league. And I think that's what people worry about. And I, I've done eight of these now with this six-step process. All eight of them have been in the championship or won the championship in year wow. two. So I think that's the thing is it's like you don't want to – everyone tries to do things the quick way. You know, and if you were really willing to, we, you and I talk about a lot, really avoiding that treadmill of mediocrity, right? You want to be top three, you want to be bottom three. I mean, there, when I first came up with this three years ago, I was like, you know what? Almost every year I'm sitting there at six and I'm trading my, my first next year to get that playoff piece and then I lose and then I'm in this spot where now I have the 107, you know, yeah. or I have the 106. And that's not where you want to be. I mean, in a year like this where you have Bijan who's going in the first round of startups, the difference between the 101 and the 106 is drastic. I mean, it's absolutely drastic. And that's why last year, and, and we, we, we preach this, but it's a matter of, we talked about it before. I mean, 17 of my Ross teams, 14 of them were first or second. The other three were the 101s. And that's where you want to be. You want to be on those ends. You don't want to be sitting in the middle. I know you are masterful when they do that coming out of a one-year punt it's almost it's a very similar thing to the rebuild process and it's a matter of just trying to figure out you've got to keep adding those assets and i i want to ask you a lot of the the listeners are like how do i know when's the time to move the chips in i mean because that's that's the biggest thing right you get into that area and you're like i have seven firsts i have six seconds you know everyone's always wondering when do i make that move yeah and and that's the really tough part and for me, that was the hardest part about a lot of my teams. Like I have some teams that I did a one-year punt in 2020. So I have, you know, four of the top five quarterbacks in the league right now. I might have Mahomes, Herbert, Joe Burrow, and Jalen Hurts on my roster right now. And that's too much value in the quarterback position if you want to win while you're building, as I'm sure we'll get to later. Quarterback is a great place to store your value. But mm -hmm. it's hard to figure out, you know, should I go and trade Jalen Hurts for – Jonathan Taylor plus this year, right? Is it time to compete? So what I actually did in order to solve that issue for me, because I know I can't look at my teams without bias, is I went through a whole coding exercise. This was basically my whole summer last summer, trying to figure out, historically speaking, how good does your team have to be to win a title? And what are your odds going to be of winning the title if you make your team that good? Um, and that was actually how my diagnost my dynasty diagnostics first started. I was just doing it for myself. I obviously have a ton of teams, so it was a decent amount of data, but pretty small sample size. And I was able to get a bunch more, run a bunch of regressions and basically figure out, you know, 
if my team is better than X, Y, Z in this one catch all number, now's the time to compete. So the thing that I do in my diagnostics now, both for myself and for my patrons is each of my team is ranked in the league one through 12 and also ranked among all of the teams that I've ever researched. So over a hundred thousand, because now I have all of the leagues of all of the people who are my patrons. Um, it shows where those rank and it shows, you know, if you rank in the 60th percentile, uh of what we expect you to do next season here's your odds of winning and then it gets really easy to analyze whether to go all in or not and i love that because i mean i answer so many questions like that and there's so many listeners that are just like oh i'm on the fringe and if i just trade my 24 first then this is where i'm at and i'm like you might want to go this route you know and i think everyone wants to believe and we have so many new listeners so many new people in the in the twitter space that are are coming from redraft so i think that's the biggest thing for me is trying to trying to educate from that area and step one kind of goes with what you're talking about step one in the process is assessing your roster and this is something that you have to take that bird's eye view you can't just look at it and be like oh i love player x y and z it's what kind of value do i have on my team what kind of picks do i have i mean how many first do I have how many seconds look at yourself in your the year before your your max points for you know sometimes we look at records I think it it really matters on how many points you're scoring and how many points and where those things are there's so many different things to look at in your roster the age of your players I think most people just look at where they were last year you know oh well I was eight and five last year I should be fine and I think the the biggest thing that I've done and in smash except one I was 10 and three you know, I was 10 and three, but everyone on my, I had zero picks. You know me, that was my way of the past. I had Jalen Hurts, zero picks. I blew it up right now. It is an absolute sexy beast right now. I mean, it, yeah. it has CD lamb, Jalen Waddle, Garrett Wilson. Uh, I got Deshaun Watson. I mean, it is loaded plus three of the top five picks and more picks next year. And we're going to teach you guys how to do that. What are the first things that you look at when you're assessing your roster? I know you talked about your, your dynasty diagnostic and, and kind of running through that. How do you, you know, go about doing that for your listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, for the, uh, there's kind of two stages of what you want to do because the diagnostics, it just tells me numbers, right? And then you have to actually take a look at the team because, you know, numbers aren't always correct. It's always good to come up with your own opinion as well. So for the diagnostics, I, I have a program that runs it through Sleeper, um, web scrapes your entire league, your team, your picks, et cetera. I run it through my program using, you know, various coding languages. And then basically it spits out a PDF. So you have a page for each of your teams in each of your leagues um, with personalized recommendations for me. Um, And that's what the diagnostics program is in terms of when I'm looking at my own personal teams. um, I'm always looking at fantasy on a, on an ROI basis on the return of investment. And and that's not how a lot of people look at it, but you know, I'm a finance guy. That's really just the only way I can think. So I want to take a step back and let's just talk about how to make money in fantasy because it's not talked about enough. It is you and I, you and I talk about it all the time. It's like, if we're not 2.5 X in our money, it feels like there's so much, and we started talking about it recently with on our, our on our Patreon about time versus money and the amount of time that you're putting into this. Yes, it's a fun hobby, but we are still also trying to get a, a, a good ROI on this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one thing that I always preach is doing the one-year punt, and it's similar to a rebuild, right? A rebuild is you're basically just doing a one-year punt, you know, not in a startup, but just a, in an active league. So in a typical league, if you are the sixth or the seventh seed, sorry, if you're the fifth or the sixth seed, you're the wild card team, you're going to win your league about 12% of the time. So that means in a normal payout structure, after five years, you're going to have 0.6x your initial buy-in. So you'll have lost 40% of your initial buy-in over five years. If you do a one-year punt, meaning you have 0% chance of winning that first league, and you can secure yourself a bye week in every upcoming year, which might sound like a ridiculous assumption, but you and I have already discussed that, you know, it's pretty easy to do if you follow these steps. And let's say if you have that bye, you're an average bye week team. My thought is you'll be better than that. But if you're average, you'll win your league about 30% of the time. If you do that after five years, you're going to increase your money by 20%. And obviously every year after that, it's going to go up by more and more. And that's only if you get to 30%. I know you and I have gotten to leagues where there's a 40% plus chance you're going to win your league every year. Mm -hmm. So that's why you need to give up that first year, 
or give up any year that you're not going to compete in any year where the odds are below 12, 15%, you can make incredible gains in value. That's going to put your odds way above 30% in the future. And, and that's how you actually make money in this dynasty. And I, I think the when you're doing those things, I mean, if you guys, you know, obviously check out his Patreon or even in ours, I will assess those rosters. He's going to assess them for you. And I think that's yeah. the biggest thing is getting someone else's eyes on that, getting a, a, a program on that and just trying to look at it as opposed to this is where I'm at. You know, and, so, and that's and that's exactly why I, I made the program for myself. It's because I would look at the team and I'd be like, shit, Javante Williams and Sky Moore, I'm going to win the title. But I needed an objective point of view to tell me that, right? So, and you and I are both happy to obviously be those objective points of view. So that goes back to your question that you asked me, when do I know if I should be going for it? So for me, if it's a super flex league, if you don't have a top 10 quarterback, you are not going for it. It's, it's just yeah. not going to happen. Your team will not be good enough that way. You can't make up the extra. That's an extra 12 points a week that other teams are getting that you're not getting. And that's why two weeks ago we did that startup strategy yeah. where if you guys haven't listened to that, we both collaborated on that. And it's a matter of like, we are strongly advocating you guys moving up and getting two of those top 12 quarterbacks because like you said, I mean, yeah, you can make it sometimes with your Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff, but you're going to find out that's an anomaly. That's in that 10%, not in that 30% that we're shooting for. Absolutely. And and this is a very simple way to do this, but what I would recommend doing is pull up any aggregate rankings, right? They're, they're not going to be right, but it gives you a good sense of where projections are. Or you can pull up projections if you want, if it's closer to the season. And literally just go through and mark your players. You know, I have the, I have the fourth best quarterback, I have the eighth best running back, and the twelfth best running back. And see if that's above or below average, which is easy to do, right? If you're in a 12-team league, look at sixth. If you're above six in all these positions, you're doing well. It's pretty easy to get a good proxy for how good your team is when you look at it that way. And then you can make the decision, okay, I have above average wideouts, running backs, and tight ends. I only have one good quarterback. Maybe it is time to trade my 24 first for that good quarterback. But don't just do it offhand, right? Don't say, I need two good quarterbacks. Because as you and I will speak to, you don't need anything if you're rebuilding, right? Positions... I mean, they matter, but it, you don't have a starting lineup if you're rebuilding because your results on Sunday are completely irrelevant. And well, yeah, that's and something you have to keep in mind. Exactly. And we're going to speak to that about creating you know, a positional void there, which even helps that even more. Mm -hmm. So we, we talked about assessing your roster, and I thought that was great coverage on both of those. For me, the next step, and this is the part that I think so many people mess up. Step two is get your first. So if you've messed it up and you didn't do it and you you know you traded away your first, so I'm gonna allude back to Smash Except One. I traded at that particular time before Jalen Hurts blew up. You know I traded Kyler Murray for Chris Godwin and Jalen Hurts. So then I was like, all right, I'm gonna take Godwin and I'm gonna cascade that. We talk a lot about insulated trades there. I'm getting two for one, and then cascading that, I went to the guy who had my first. Now I, you know, I was the three seed last year. So that looks like a late first. So I go to the guy, I say, hey, I'll give you Godwin and Michael Carter for my first. He's like, smash, accept, let's do this, right? So now that pick comes there. So now we're looking at it, it's Jalen Hurts and the 101 for Kyler Murray. You know, now we're in a similar type situation in Smash 5, I want it all. And this is something I got to say, if you guys want it all last year, doesn't mean you have to go all in for yeah. this year. I, I got so much criticism when I made this trade because they're like, dad, you're not trying to defend your title. I want X amount of money. You know, I, I, I 5X my money in that league. Now I'm going to take a year off and get my team set up for two years from now right. and then put it back into the system. But what I did was I traded in this particular one, it was Jalen Hurts for Tua Tagovailoa, a early 23 first and my 23 first. So that way I was going to move it so that people don't know that that 24 first is going to be the 101 until yeah. you go get it. And that is the biggest part of this, is if you don't get your first, you're really doing this for nothing. Because if you, you need that B. John Robinson, you need those those players that are going to be the 101, that are true difference makers that are going to set you up. Because if you look at the difference between one and two in almost every single draft class, even even more so next year, it's huge. Yeah. And, and I think the, the key point there that these steps are in order. You need to get your first first because you have the knowledge advantage, right? Fantasy is all about knowledge advantages. 
And this is one of the times where you know that that pick is going to be Caleb Williams. No one else knows that and no one else can control that. Right. So one question I have for you, because I, I have the same advice to a lot of my, a uh, lot of just my followers or patrons when they ask me, I'm like, you got to get that first back before you rebuild. How do you do that in a subtle way? Because if someone came up, if I had someone's first and they came up to me and let's say they were an old team on the verge of a rebuild and they came up to me and said, Hey, I want my first back. I'd sit and wait for a bit. I'd say, you know, let's put some time pressure, see what, see what you do around the draft. See if you trade mm-hmm. some vets for rookie picks. Cause I'm looking at that and saying, you know, maybe you're going to rebuild even if you don't get that first back just cause you have no choice and I might charge extra for it. It Are you up are you ever up front with the person and say, Hey, I mean, you can't say I'm looking to rebuild, no, you, but how do you, you get around that? You have to play chess when everybody else is playing checkers, you know, like you yeah. can't, I see so many people put out there, Hey, I'm looking to rebuild. And then they go after their first. And then yeah. there's, I'll even be tricky enough where if that guy has two 24 first, I'm going to ask for his and see what he says, you know, yeah. not via the trade, but I'm going to initially be like, okay, what do you want for your first? And then ultimately they were like, yeah. well, no, I won't do it for theirs, but what about yours? Because if I'm if I'm shopping for their first or I'm shopping for their players, you know, I might say, hey, what do you want for Leonard Fournette? If I ask you what you want for Leonard Fournette from your team, do you think I'm rebuilding? No, you just think no. I'm going to continue that cycle to kind of go through idea. there. So yeah. I know it's you're just kind of disguising it a little bit. And, you know? you're and just by the way, the, the other way to disguise is you ask what they want for Michael Pittman, whose value mm-hmm. is around 24 first. And then, you know, you can talk about it, find some reason or the other to disagree and then say, oh, what about the 24 first? Oh, that's mine. I didn't even realize it. Right. Like, yeah, y- you're right, though. That's how you got to disguise it a little bit. And and tra- trading for a vet or inquiring, not trading for, but inquiring about a vet isn't a bad way to do it. I've even in some leagues traded for vets that I thought would increase in value and it would make people think that I wasn't rebuilding. So I've mm-hmm. done that this year with DeAndre Hopkins and Brandon Cooks because yeah. they probably will increase in value because they have a trade coming. Why would you be buying those if you're rebuilding? Right. Well, if I'm rebuilding, all I want is guys who are going to increase in value. So they really do fit my timeline and it'll make me get my first back easier. And and that's a good point when we start talking about vets. But right now is the time. Vets are cheap. They're cheaper than they're ever going to be. And to your point, obviously Brandon Cooks, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, there's guys even that are going to get – there's running backs that no one wants on the roster right yeah. now. You know, your, your Leonard Fournette types and, and things like that where you can get them cheap. And as soon as the news breaks that Leonard Fournette goes to this team or, or you know, DeAndre Hopkins goes to Buffalo, that instantly goes up and that's a way to, you know, move up. I think there's just that misnomer of I'm rebuilding, I don't want vets, you know, and that's not what yeah. you want to do. So. You- you don't want vets whose value is tied to their current production, current expected production. So if you have a vet who is not expected to get production in the near future, either because he doesn't have a team or he's a backup or he's injured or suspended or whatever it is, those are guys that you do want to value because when their expected production goes up, so will their value and then you can flip them. Yeah. And so when we talk about get your first, that first one, I'm, I'm almost always trying to do that as an insulated trade. So for me, you know, the first one that I came to you with, I had Jalen Hurts. I wanted Kyler Murray, whose value is depressed for what that and a 24 first. That's that 24 first is going to be Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is going to be a first round startup, you know, so you almost got to look at that. If you're doing this right, if you're listening to what we're telling you, you will have the one on one next year. And that will set you up. You know, Caleb Williams is in that same mold of the guys that you were talking about earlier. If you rebuild in the right year, if you rebuild in 2019 like you and I did to get that 2020 where you get Herbert, you get Burrow, you know, if you rebuilt in 2022 or 2022, no, 2021 into 2022, you got Kenny Pickett. So it wasn't quite the same thing. Next year, we have a couple nice quarterbacks. We got some great wide receivers. This is the prototypical year to build, rebuild again because you're going to you know, create a positional void and get those guys. And and one of the things that I've looked at is on average, the 101 has about 70% more value in a dynasty league than the 102. It has about 130% more value than the 107. And it has three times more value than the 112. Yeah. So you are, if you, you can't assure yourself the 112, but let's say that you go for it and barely make the playoffs and you get the 107. By doing that, you basically just lost a first round pick because the 101 is at least double as valuable as the 107. So that's why you got to get your first back. You got to get the 101. 
and we'll talk about a little bit later how to assure yourself how to get the 101. Yeah, because you're 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 losing twice. Everybody on your team just got older, and yep. you just moved that pick back. The third one is something that I've coined that for me. So many of the listeners, when they started this process, they went and got their first, but then they're like, you know what? No, I'm not too bad. I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. And I, I've deemed it the splash trade. You know, a lot of us sit on the fence, and we don't want you guys sitting on the fence. If you're doing a rebuild, you're committing to this thing. I know a lot of you guys have over the years and have, you know, always reached out and be like, Dad, I won my league two years from now. You make that splash trade. That's your yeah. big trade where it's like you're trying to move a Devontae Adams and a Cooper Cup and I, I even showed you a trade similar to that where I was trying to move Cup and Adams for London, Alave, and Judy. You know, yeah. I, I, you try to make a move where you look at the other guys in your league and you say, and I think that's key during the whole process, is try to evaluate who are those teams in your league that look like they're all in because yeah. they want the Stefan Diggs, the the Cooper Cups, the Devontae Adams, even more important, the Nick Chubbs, the Derrick Henrys, the guys that in two years aren't going to serve you much of a purpose you know yeah cooper couples still be in the league in two years derrick henry maybe not you know what i mean so you really want to start moving those running backs you want to make those splash trades and and this is that area where you've literally taken your team from okay i'm here i got my first that's great now i'm making a splash trade and that's where the floodgates start to open right and that's yeah. why i call it the splash because you make that trade you're no longer on the fence and now you can say you know what guys I'm in a rebuild. Let's start talking. And once you do that, you'll be shocked at how many people come to you because you're that yeah. guy that everybody wants to buy assets from. Yeah, absolutely. That's And you're giving yourself no choice, right? You're not going to trick yourself into having a competing roster if you just traded Godwin for a first and, you know, Cup and Adams in that trade you were referring to, right? At that point, everyone knows where you are. You're not going to trick yourself into tr- trading something to try to compete. My question that I have for you, because I I think this is a tough part about a rebuild, is that most people want to rebuild, you know, now before the NFL draft because they want to get some draft picks. But right now is also when draft picks are the most expensive. So if you have, let's say, a Cooper Cup who I don't think you could get the 106 for Cooper Cup right now. I mean, maybe uh, they're going about the same place in startups, but. Mm Would you hold and try to sell vets closer to the season or would you try to get these picks right now? Yeah, and I I think that goes into like our step five of I think you sell your vets in season. I think right now, what are you going to get for Cooper Cup? Like you said, the 107, 108, you might get Quentin Johnston and maybe you get into the right area, you know, and I think it's all all price dependent. Um, But right now, rookie picks are more valuable than they ever will be. You know, they're at a spot where even the 107, 108 are going above high-ticket t- high wide receivers like a Stefan Diggs, like a Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. So you got to be open to moving them, but at the same time, you don't have to sell them right now. You know, like you can make a, a move after that. And I think people are more willing right now to sell the 24s, and I think that's where I usually go. So like a guy like Cooper yeah. Cup, I'm trying to move into the tier of, you know, I'm trying to move down to the Jerry Judys or even further down. And again, that's probably better done after this rookie draft, you know, and I think yep. you cannot buy your 23 first. They've become too expensive. And I think that's a tricky part and a great question as far as your rebuild process. You know, it, it's got to be buying 24s. It's even buying 25s on the cheap. 25s, I mean, yep. 25s are being given away right now. Like I am yep. seeing deals where a guy traded uh, his 25 first for Miles Sanders. Like two years from now, that's going to if you're in a rebuild, that's going to be wonderful for you. If you can get a guy, give up a guy like Miles Sanders, who, you know, in two years will be 28 years old and a running back and you're getting a first, you know, you always want to get a little bit extra on there. But I think that's how I would, I would look at, you know, trying to move in there. And I think that leads us to step four is your rookie draft prep. Yeah. You know, I know you do a phenomenal job over there at your Patreon. Thank in you. our Patreon, we we have, you know, all of our rookie rankings in there. You and I have both been doing threads. I mean, we are really trying to go above and beyond and give you the best possible rookie analysis that we can possibly do. And, you know, if you're listening, I've watched him draft. I've watched Zoltan absolutely crush drafts. He's been in drafts with me. Same kind of thing. It's like yeah. we put ourselves in a position and we talked about that about a month ago with where we wanted before the combine, right? Where we wanted to be, be in those tiers and move around. And I think if you do your rookie draft prep, you're going to know where to be. But I think the most important part is 
you can start to formulate, hey, I'm in a rebuild right now. So for right now, the 101 for me, I'm moving back and I'm getting the 102 and 105 and I'm going to take Stroud and I might get two quarterbacks. I might get Stroud and, and JSN, you know, and start to really move in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did want to touch briefly on the splash trade part. Uh, one adv- one tip that I would give people as far as the splash trade is see if you can do it all in one. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, these gigantic trades, if you can find a league mate, maybe they've been rebuilding for a few years, so they're going to have a bunch of pieces that are appealing to you, young wide receivers, future picks, quarterbacks, etc. Try to do it all for once and say, listen, dude, I have a pretty good lineup. They're old. You have a pretty good lineup. They're young. But if you combine half of your young guys with my old guys, you're still going to be pretty young and you're going to, you know, be a title contender. So just give me some of these rookie picks, right? Like it's time for you to contend. So you want to find someone and it doesn't even I I, I that might have come off like you're, you know, tricking them. That's not what it is at all. This is this can be mutually beneficial completely. Right. swapping with someone you just won the league they just rebuilt really well if you swap with them they can go win the league and you can rebuild really well so that's something i always look for see if you can make one trade because there's probably only two or three teams in your league that really want a guy like derrick henry or cooper cup so you really have to make sure that you sell them you know to the right person and at the right time and that's um, something we, we cover all the time as a matter of knowing your league mates. You know which guys, you play with 12 guys in your league. You know which guys are the ones that are risk averse and the ones that aren't. And then you also know it's a, when you work together for a trade like that. Because ultimately, I think when you're doing the rebuild process, you're making trades and you almost realize, you know what, I'm going to help you out a little bit more. I'm going to, yeah, I'll throw David Montgomery into that deal to help you out. And right. then you know what? Two years down the road, they're going to remember that kind of stuff if it's a good league mate and they're going to move move there. Zoltan, the thing with me right now is like I am having the hardest time. No one wants to buy. Everybody's in startup mode. You know, yeah. Everybody's elevating those young wide receivers. No one wants to touch the running backs that are over 26 years old. So that becomes the tricky tricky sell right in that certain area. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing that I've actually done, there have been times where I looked at my team, assessed the team, went to some of the teams that were uh win now and were like, Hey, I'm, I might, I might, I didn't phrase it this way, but you know, I want to trade you this guy, whatever. And they had no interest. They were like, you know, I don't value these old guys. So sometimes I'll turn it around and say, okay, why don't you give me your old guys on yes. your team? And then it's either you hold them until September and then sell them. Or, you know, if you, if you're a borderline team who decided to rebuild, you're one of these tough calls and your league just really isn't valuing vets and you can go pick up, Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry and Cooper Cup and Stephon Diggs with, you know, future seconds or something, go do that. You know, if 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 there is any value hole to be exploited in your league, go do that. You know, hit them where they ain't. But in general, what I would do is I would hold players like Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams. Because yeah, you have to. It might be tough because right now a contending team, let's say they have the 110 and they draft Jordan Addison and I got, you know, Michael Pittman on my team. Right now, I'm probably not going to be able to get the 110 from Michael Pittman. But if we get to the start of the season, Michael Pittman's going in the fourth round of redraft leagues and Jordan Addison's going in the 11th round. And then we get two weeks in and Michael Pittman's put up 36 points and Jordan Addison has three catches. Then you can do that deal. And Mm -hmm. this is, again, when I say you don't have to be picky because maybe the team that has Addison is tanking. Okay, well. I'll go to Quentin Johnson, who maybe I don't like as much, but you got to not be picky, especially when it comes to rebuilds, because you're just trying to gain value and you're trying to find a vessel for your value to sit that is more secure. So right now, a guy like Devontae Adams, his value is very secure over the next six months. Until Mm -hmm. September, he will gain value and then he will likely gain value after that. So there's no reason to move him now. You move him in September and you get that 24 first plus whatever rookie wide receiver has kind of struggled. And then next year, you're in really good shape. Absolutely. Insulate that. For me, when we're talking about, let's talk about the rookie right now. Yeah. Because you have the 101 and you're not ready. For me, I have to at least kick the tires. I mean, we're looking at, there are four quarterbacks here that are going to give you, you want to, and and part of the next process of step five is sell your veterans in season, but it's also create a positional void. And you and I have, have looked at it over the years, the easiest position to fill and the last two positions to fill for me is always running back and tight end. I always, especially running back, because if you look at my, and I know your year one punts. And if you look at my rebuilding teams, my running back one, 
is not even startable. Like yeah. he's on it. He's on a team, right? But it, it might be Snoop Connor. It might be, yeah. you know, those are the guys. Yeah, I'm fielding a roster. That's one thing I absolutely hate is when I look at guys' taxi squads and they got Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall, like they're loaded up on there. I still want to field the best team that I can field, but I want to create that positional void of moving those running backs. So let's talk about the rookie draft. There are, you know, when we look at those top six picks, there's two guys, two running backs in there that I think are phenomenal. I think they're going to be great running backs in this league, but then you also look at it and we have one to two wide receivers who are going to be, you know, top tier production and then we got four quarterbacks so what kind of way are you moving around if you've already committed you have your rebuild you you're going to have the one-on-one next year you know that's going to be Caleb Williams how are you navigating your rookie pick from the one-on-one so I've had people ask me you know I have the one-on-one my team's not ready to compete the best I've been offered is the 103 and the 203 no don't way. make that trade. Bijan Robinson is not. And, and by the way, we're talking super flex leagues. Yeah. Bijan Robinson is not going to lose value. Like I said about Devante Adams between now and September, mm-hmm. it's possible he could look really bad, get injured, something where he would lose some value, but he's that level of talent where someone in your league is going to value him that way. I, I play fantasy basketball. Zion Williams is still being valued as a top five asset. Cause you know, even though all these injuries, right? Mm-hmm. So you'll be fine doing that with a guy like Bijan. Don't worry about trading him now. You can trade him in season for a team that is surprisingly competing. You know, the the rebuild team who's there a year early and let them trade you their running back one who got injured and their 24 first and something else would be Zion Robinson. Mm-hmm. Jameer so Gibbs I is, think what you're saying basically is don't get cute. You know, don't we get did a, cute. Don't get we cute. We have a pod that just dropped this past week, 40 different trades for the 101. Yeah. I've seen things like the 102 and Drake London. I've seen the 102 and 104. I've seen Justin Jefferson for Bijan and a 24 third. Those are the kind of moves where it's like Jefferson will be a foundational piece. Right. Where Bijan Robinson, yes, the running backs, they say there's a two to three year window. He's, you know, what we're looking at is an elite back who could be five, six years, but you're wasting two years of it on your roster if you can make a move like that. So we're not saying. Sell the 101 no matter what. But I mean, if you guys make sure you check out that podcast, because literally I was blown away by some of these trades, man. I mean, like I saw uh, Josh Allen for Bijan in a 24 second. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like you're that's what you build around. And I think we can use the 101 sometimes as capital. If I can move off of Trey Lance in the 101 to get up to Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Now you have a quarterback that's elite for the next five to eight years. Yeah. We don't, you and I don't play that way that you're going to have him that long, but you have the most, you know, the piece that you're looking at that is the safest upside for the longest term. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think in general, what I would say about 101 trades is I would, if you're moving back in the draft, I would want the 104 plus either a 24 first or another pick in the top six or seven Mm -hmm. is kind of my general rule of thumb. Obviously it's going to vary a little bit. Um, And you said one Oh four. So you get Gibbs or one of the quarter or or you get JSN and one of the quarterbacks. Yeah. One in a rebuild, I would take one of the quarterbacks at the one Oh four. I like that. So that's where people are asking is like, do I want to move back all the way from one to six? Well, the difference between Gibbs and, and, and Bijan is quite a bit different, you know? Yeah. Very different. And that's what I was about to get to. Either, either in a move back or let's say you're at the 106 and Gibbs is who's left out of the top six, him I wouldn't take. He's not going to lose that value between now and, or I guess between the NFL draft in August or September. Likely, I could see there being coach speak saying we're only going to use him on third downs. I could see him starting off as a punt returner, which is going to hurt his value. And I love Jameer Gibbs. This isn't talking bad about him. It's just recognizing what he is as a player. So he does not have the type of safety that a guy like Bijan Robinson has. He doesn't have the type of safety even that a guy like Will Levis has because Will Levis is going to get a starting job at some point. Again, not saying to take Levis over Gibbs. But what I would do if I had the 106 and Gibbs was available is do whatever I can to trade out of that. Whether that's move back to the 111 and pick up a 24 first, you could probably do that. That team probably thinks they're a contender. Or whether it's move for a different player in the same range, that's going to have more stable value going forward. So I have the 106 similar to guys like, you know, DK Metcalf, you could probably get for him. Um, Mm -hmm. There are other running backs like Travis Etienne and Kenneth Walker who have more secure roles. A guy like T. Higgins or Devontae Smith. 
those are players that, you know, I don't need a guy like Devonta who's 25 and producing on my rebuild, but it's a safer place to store value than a guy like Jameer Gibbs is. Yeah, I think that's great. And I mean, with the 111, I think that's that if you can get in that 110 to 112 and add that 24 first, yeah. you're not only going to get a 24 first for next year, but you're going to get a, a wide receiver like like Josh Downs. You're going to get a, a guy that you're going to like on your roster that's going to be help you create that positional void, which I think is fantastic. How do you look at and this is a question that I, I personally have right now is, you know, we have these rosters when we start to rebuild where you have, you know, 15 picks in the first two rounds. Yeah. Right. Like there's so many people that are coming to me and they're like, you know what? I got seven seconds this year. I have, you know, I mean, in smash three, I have 12 firsts and five seconds. You know, it's like you cannot possibly feel those many things. And I know you are a master at like how many picks you, you start to accumulate. Yeah. Everyone. When I told them I had pick one through 12, they laughed and they were like, well, let's see the rest of the team. The rest of the team isn't bad, but now I have capital to do whatever I want with. Yeah, and and early in the offseason, most teams don't think about their roster size, right? Because, you know, when the league switches over, especially on Sleeper, actually on MFL as well, you know, you have guys still on your IRR that you're not remembering about. You had that, you know, terrible backup quarterback, who you, Skylar Thompson, who you just picked up for the stretch run. So people aren't really thinking about that. So early in the offseason, I love making three-for-ones trades, whether it's the, you know, disguise the shit trades that you talk about or, you know, a legitimate, you know, fair three-for-one offer. Those exist. Or mm-hmm. four-for-twos, right? Early in the offseason, I try to trade 303 and 308 for 208, something like that. So when I look at the number of first and seconds I have, there's no way my roster is going to be good enough that a second rounder is not going to make it right. Like Mm -hmm. there's going to, if you, if you're in a deep league, at least right. Most of my rosters are 32 plus IR. There's no way that I'm going to have 32 players better than a second. Cause you know, seconds are probably the 140th most valuable asset. So that would be crazy to have 35 of the top 140. So what I really look at is picks below that. And I map out my roster and I say, hey, listen, if I there are 39 guys, including picks, that want a roster. So between now and week one, I need to get rid of seven spots or nine spots or however many I need to get rid of. And then you make those consolidation trades. Try to do it early, because if you wait until September, other teams are going to look at your roster, know you have to shed some pieces and then you're screwed. But if you do it early, like I just did a trade, for instance, um, where I traded, what was it? I traded Kareem Hunt for, uh, sorry, I traded Kareem Hunt and, uh, sorry, I'm losing it right now. Well, uh, I, I, I traded, had one that you said. Go me. ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you sent me today. It was Najee Harris, Calvin oh, Ridley, yeah. and Tyler Lockett for London. And my response was, that's your typical three quarters for a dollar. You know, it's like you're, yeah. you're making that look better. And when that guy is starting to plug his roster, he's like, oh, not bad. But for now you, I got three starters, right? Yeah, exactly. But for me, it's like, you know, if I didn't do that, I would have had to drop. Tyquan Thornton, for example, who mm-hmm. isn't a big deal, but that's an added benefit to the trade that I don't have to drop this yeah. guy. Um, by the way, the trade I was thinking about earlier was I traded Kareem Hunt and three third round picks for Alvin Kamara. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. yeah and, and that's the next part is everyone thinks that you need to sell your vets in season. I've been advocating things like, okay, we know that for us, that smash zone is 110 to 204. I've been taking 208 and adding Brandon Cooks, yeah. adding, you know, Adam Thielen, adding Tyler Lockett. From the 208 to the 204, the guy that's a 204, he's like, all right, that's well worth it, right? But I know I'm getting a more stable asset in that long run where I'm going to be able to get one of those guys that I like. That's why we talk so much, you and I, about finding those tiers, you know, and right now, obviously, there's. It's one through six. Then there's there's some tear breaks in there that we definitely got to hit. And I think for me, 204 is where it starts to change. Yeah, it's it's going to be hard to say in, until the draft. I think 204 is a good estimate at this point in time of where it's going to change. I have I have my tear break right now after after the 205, actually. But I've Kincaid in that top 17. I just, so, yeah. yeah. So if, if you're removing him, which I think is reasonable – um, then it's really ends at 16, right? That's where Tucker and Zach Evans and Akane all, all are gone by. And, you know, Addison's long gone. Quentin, uh, Josh Downs is long gone. So I, I agree with you. It really is that 203, 204 range. I could see that extending to 206. Mm-hmm. But if you can take like 208 and later, add it to Nico Collins is always the guy I go with to try to get up into the high second. 
that's, you know, other people are going to be looking at that and saying, oh, Nico Collins, he's kind of worth a second and you're getting a second and I'm just giving up one. That's two for one. Great. But you know that you're getting up into a zone where in startup rankings, they're going to be three, four rounds ahead. That's hilarious because you and I have only done three or four pods together. And I actually even call that the Nico Collins effect. And now hey, I'm, nice. I'm, I'm, I'm now it's like almost feels like Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to be one of those guys that's in that area with Elijah Moore. There. Oh, blue. <laughs> you know, but, and Nico but there's, Collins. there's those guys that we always just want to be the next guy. And, yeah. and we just we we've wanted Nico Collins to do that. It, it hasn't happened for three years. It's not going to happen. You know, yeah, there are different levels of roster cloggers and a guy like Nico Collins and DPJ. They're not the traditional roster roster clogger who will just never like you know two two at well but they're a guy who is taking up a room on your roster with very little upside not a Mm -hmm. ton of value stability that's the type of guy where you want to move and do the two for one Right. And I, I mean, roster cloggers, when you're talking about a rebuild are huge because yeah. you want to be able. So in season, you know, we're on step five now of, of selling your vets. That's also being active on the waiver wire. It's being able to pick guys up. I know we were getting quarterbacks last year. I mean, I know Sam Erlinger didn't really pan out, but it was an opportunity. And there was there was guys where you were picking up, you know, Huntley, you're picking up Minshew, you're picking up quarterbacks, you're picking up guys that give you an opportunity. And I think for me in season, you know, I. I had picked up Minshew early when someone dropped him in a super flex, which you shouldn't be doing, but yeah. that, and then I, I packaged him with a third to get a second. Now yeah. that's the two Oh five. You know, I think when you get to selling your vets, this is the fun time for me because then you're trying to negotiate what you can get. You're trying to give an Alvin Kamara in a second to get a first when Kamara's had back to back boom weeks, you know, right. you're trying to sell Joe Mixon for and get a 24 first and then you throw in a third and you start to accumulate these late picks and start to start moving them into earlier picks because we all know your hit rates the further you get down once you get down to round three you're looking at eight to twelve percent you know what I mean and that is not a position that you want to be in when you're doing a rebuild yeah and I I actually I I did a study on the waiver wire uh just on some boring Sunday last year also using just web scraping from sleeper and what I found is that if you have a league that's 26, uh, 26 roster deeper, basically your entire waiver money, the best you can hope to get from that is the equivalent of a third round pick in value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is what your entire waiver money is worth. So there are two things I like to do when I'm in a rebuild at the beginning of the season. One, in a random trade, ask for an extra $10 of waiver. It doesn't matter. The other side's not going to care. But if someone get hurt, gets hurt week one and for some reason their backup is on the waiver wire, you can spend all your money and you're going to have more than everyone else. So that's mm-hmm. one piece of advice. Number two would just be utilize that factor that waiver wire money isn't important and see if you can buy it off other people for cheap because there's usually one or two guys. And if you have the most money, you can really exploit that. But in general, waiver wire is not going to be a huge factor unless you're in leagues that's a little bit smaller than than what I typically play in. Um, but again, if, if it is an option, what I try to do instead of the waiver wire is I try to churn the end of my roster. So I'm going to have a lot of backup running backs on the end of that roster. And basically, I'm just churning who's injured and who's healthy. That's that's all I'm doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, a good example right now is let's say I have Jalen Warren on my team. Right now, Jalen Warren is worth about the same as Alexander Madison, give or take. If Najee Harris gets hurt, I am trading Jalen Warren for a second-round pick plus Alexander Madison. Then mm-hmm. I am trading Alexander Madison when Dalvin Cook gets hurt for Zamir White in a second-round yes. pick. You just keep on doing this. So backup running backs are really good players to value because they're not going to put up a lot of points and uh they have really high upside after only one injury quarter wide receivers it doesn't really work like that right like there's not a next man up when you know kendrick Bourne gets hurt like the wide receiver six isn't all of Mm -hmm. a sudden going to step up and do something so that's what i would focus on as far as you know how to churn your roster mid-season and that's how you and I both like to operate startups. I like to do that when I'm doing my rebuild. Like I said, yeah. I, I went out there and I, I moved a bunch of running backs. I moved some aging quarterbacks. I moved some aging tight ends to make sure my wide receiver core was CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Waddle, and A.J. Brown. And now I can, instead of having 19 wide receivers on my team, then I started stockpiling those backups. I mean, there is I have one league where I literally own every backup. I yeah. have 12 backup running backs. <laughs> I do the same kind of thing. It's like you go ahead and you flip who's who's that guy that's hot right now? Who's that guy that's getting an opportunity? Yeah. I put a 
a message out there. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there you can get thrown in that just got signed. I mean, James Robinson just went to New England. Dernis Johnson went to Jacksonville. Yep. You know, Samaje Prebine. There's these guys that you can just get added into deals. But then, you know, when the time comes, you can sell them for more than what they're what they're yeah, going and, for right now. And if you have one of those guys like James Robinson, first of all, try to, I mean, whether you're on a rebuild or not, try to trade him now because Patriots could easily draft someone. Oh, yeah. They could cut him, stuff like that. Um, but those are, te- those are guys that you really want to acquire. It's also good to know you want to acquire the backups of running backs where the starter is, first of all, a locked-in starter. And second of all, on a team in your in your league that's competing. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, there is no reason to roster Keontae Ingram if for some reason the James Conner owner is also rebuilding. Why is the James Conner owner rebuilding? Who the hell knows? But um, <laughs> They didn't listen to the podcast and they're holding on to James Conner. Exactly. Conner. You want to look at, oh, shit, the first team in my league has Derrick Henry. I need to go get Hassan Haskins because if Derrick Henry gets hurt, he needs to compete. He's going to give me his late second for Hassan Haskins. Mm-hmm. So the more detail that you can put into this, you can really find those edges. Um, one thing I want to talk about in a little bit more detail, cause we haven't, we've referenced the positional void idea a lot. Um, can you just describe a little bit what that is and why it's important? Yeah. So for me, most of my leagues, everyone that I, you run, everyone that I run, the one Oh one goes to the lowest points for, or if you look at sleeper, it's max points for, you know, yeah. and you want that lowest one. And if you guys are, are still in an antiquated, like toilet bowl where, you know, the six seed literally is going to get the one-on-one every year. I really strongly advocate moving towards that where, you know, your one-on-one is your lowest points possible. And, and the idea of lowest points possible, just for those who don't know, because I have some people joining. Yeah. Leagues. Well, um, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, you're taking your team. It's, it then becomes a best ball type format where you're yeah. looking at, you know, that way they really want to deter people from tanking. They don't want to. So if you, you know, you would put Jonathan Taylor on your, on your bench and start, you know, your, your worst player on your team, those points that Jonathan Taylor scored would still count. So when I create a positional void, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to take my running backs or my tight end and make sure they're guys that I can roster, but they're not going to score any points for me. My yeah. running back position across the board is going to get me like two points a week, you know, and that's going to put yourself in a position. Yeah, that's great. My wide receivers balled out. I don't need to get rid of them. They're still there in that position. My quarterbacks are there in position. I want to make sure I get that. And there are times where it gets close. I will deal, you know, a, I, I will make a deal to get those points off my team. I'll go out there, for instance, I was really close to not getting the 101 in one, one league, and I dealt Amon Ross St. Brown for Brees Hall. I know you love Amon Ross St. Brown, but in that situation, Brees Hall is going to score me zero points. And if, and now and now that trade is Bijan Robinson and Brees Hall for Amon Ra and the 102. Exactly, right? that's and, basically the trade you made. And most people don't look at it that way. I mean, like right. like I said, you and I play chess when other people are playing checkers, and we're trying to pass that on to you guys because if you're looking at those little things, I've had so many leagues where I'll even go to the guy. And say, hey, man, you have the 101 right now, but he's like 32 points behind yeah. you and max points for. Why don't you trade me this player and I'll give you this injured player and yeah. you can work on some deals and really try to not just look at what you're doing, but look at what the rest of the league is as well. And, and an important thing about the positional void is every week counts the same. So you need to start it as soon as possible mm-hmm. because there's some times where, you know, I get to week eight, I decide eh, I'm three and five, I should probably rebuild. But I've already scored too many points up to that time where it's going to be hard to get the 101. I could get down to the 102 or the 103, but I really want that 101. So try to create the positional void as early as possible. Um, In terms of how to do that, rostering injured players is great. Rostering players who aren't at that position is great. Um, What I like to do is you talk about how running back is the easiest position to do it. That's because it's the position in dynasty that has the least security. So Mm -hmm. You don't want to, you can't really punt wide receivers because if you're on a rebuild, you want to roster wide receivers because they're young. They have law, I'm sorry, they have long longevity. uh, They're valuable. Their value maintains. They're relatively safe floors. And you want to roster quarterbacks for all of those same reasons. The one thing that I will say is that if you're going into a year like next year with Caleb Williams, I am very okay punting on quarterback because that is the easy, Mm -hmm. that is a very easy position to punt. 
you probably have a lot of value in quarterback right now. If you were just competing and you're looking to turn to a rebuild, you could get a ton of assets. And if you're securing yourself to 101, plus I'm sure you're going to get a bunch of 24 firsts in these other trades that you're making, you're going to go into next season with two quarterbacks, or you can make a reverse trade, right? You can trade a few of the first you got for a quarterback next year. Mm-hmm. But I would not, if I'm doing a one year punt off a startup, I'm definitely drafting quarterbacks. But if I'm in a position where quarterbacks are just too expensive and I just have to get rid of one of them to start tanking, let's say I had Tom Brady and Derek Carr last year, I'm trading Derek Carr and I'm creating a positional void at quarterback because getting a zero every week, because it's not like tight end where your backup could score a touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. If you had you know, Trey McBride last year, he's going to get you that random touchdown that might screw over your uh, 101 bid. But if you have a backup quarterback, I mean, you don't even have to roster any quarterbacks. That's not a bad route to go. I, I think running back is the one I would prefer, but yeah. quarterback is an option. And that's a great point. I had a guy reach out to me and say the other day, he's like, my only quarterback, I had Brady and Goff. And he goes, I'm, I'm looking to rebuild. I was like, get rid of Jared Goff. Like, go ahead and trade Jared Goff for a 24 first. Yeah. Now that positional void, he's like, well, people are going to get upset. I don't have a quarterback in there. I was like, throw in a backup. You know, like that's, yeah. that's just the name of the game. You know, you just, you just roll with it. And I think... To your point, when you're creating that positional void, I like to make it at running back. You can make it at quarterback. But I think the most important part then is insulating your roster and staying liquid. So in that particular situation, he trades Jared Goff for a 24 first. Can Jared Goff go up in value? Not too much anymore at this point. Can he drop in value drastically? Absolutely. You know, maybe Jared Goff's not the perfect example. Another guy offered told me, he's like, I have J.K. Dobbins and I'm going to rebuild. Guy offered me what looks like a mid to early 24 first. I said, oh, smash, yeah. accept, get him out of there. Yes, J.K. Dobbins is worth right now around the 111 and a 24, you know, that 24 first range. But dude, as soon as he goes down to injury, done. That value is kicked. You know, he, there's so many guys there. He cannot, he can increase in value a little bit. I think that is in the realm of possibilities, but he sure could decrease. The only thing that is stable currency is it's your wide receivers, it's your quarterbacks, and then it's them picks. Those yep. picks are the only things that are not going to drop in value. They never do. And and a good way to think about it is w- when it's the time of the draft, every first-round pick has a top 60 startup value. Let, let just, let's just make that assumption. Whether it's 70 or 60, let's just say 60 for now. That means that when we get to 2024, there are going to be 12 new entrants in the top 60, which mm-hmm. means at a minimum, 12 in the top 60 have to leave the top 60. So just by definition, there are more players who are going to lose value than those are going to increase value because the picks become players. Right. So the picks are just so much safer as a way to insulate. The only exception really is if you have the game I like to play with myself is if this guy tore his ACL tomorrow, where would his value be a year Mm -hmm. from now? So Patrick Mahomes is going to be the 101, even if he tears his ACL. Maybe he wouldn't be at that yes. point in time, yes. but a year later, he would be the 101. You look at a guy like, you know, Brees Hall is a good example of this. Last year, when he was going on his tear before he got hurt, he was around the 111 in startups, 112. Now he's going around the 208, mm-hmm. 212. So he dropped around. That's not that bad. He's a rookie. That's probably why. But if you look at a guy like, uh, uh, Russell Say- Wilson, if he tears his ACL, Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley, if he tears his ACL, even Chris Godwin, mm-hmm. anywhere down that spectrum, they're going to drop three, four rounds, right? So those are, that's why investing in a player, I always say they can get hurt. They can get arrested. That's why it's dangerous to invest in a player. And that's why picks are so safe because a 24 first right now is going in the seventh round of a startup draft. And next year it's going to be worth somewhere between the first round and the sixth round. And you know that. And that's why in startups, we were talking about moving up and then moving back later. Because you get to a safety. Let's look at Kyler Murray. I mean, Kyler yeah. Murray last year was going, what, 1-6, 1-7. He tears his ACL. Now he's in that 112-202 range. That's yeah. not a lot of value lost. But then, you you know, you go down a couple tiers. And let's say, you know, Daniel Jones tears his ACL. Let's say Kirk Cousins tears his ACL. That value drops drastically. Wait. You know, and we're, we're in those kind of situations where those elite players, Garrett Wilson, CD Lamb, Jalen Waddle, even if those guys tear their ACL and they're on your rebuild team, nothing's hurt. You're just, they're going to yeah. be in that same area next year. But like what you're talking about, you drop down to the DJ Moore, the Debo Samuel, you know, Brandon Ayuk, those, those ACL tears on those non elite players, those good players, they're going to drop big time, you know? Yeah, so I and, think, 
and that's why we're talking about this in startup terms too, but you can do the same thing. A lot of the way that I tank on, uh, on rebuilding teams is I trade for players who have a ton of value. You want to be a little bit careful about it, right? You don't want to trade for Jonathan. You don't trade for running backs, as we said, and Mm -hmm. you don't want to trade for a player like, uh, Trevor Lawrence, who I love. I think he's got a real, or not even him. Justin Fields is probably the right guy. I love Justin Fields, but I am not holding Justin Fields on a rebuild because he's already going in the top 10 of startups. Mm-hmm. Sure, he can get to the top five, top six, but there is so much more downside for a guy like Justin Fields or Trey Lance. So if I have a guy like Justin Fields or Trey Lance, I'm combining them with a Cooper Cup to go up and get a Jalen Hurts or a Justin Herbert or a Justin Jefferson. A guy Trey who Lance I know- is that quintessential guy. Totally. I've told everybody that. I had two shares. I bought them when they were cheap, you know, and yeah. now they're starting to ascend back up. And that one's even even to me, 10 times riskier than Justin Fields. Right oh, now 100%. We don't yeah. even know, you know, if Purdy gets into that situation or if we have not seen it. Fields was in that area. Fields is hot right now. So, I mean, like, yeah. you can cascade off. I've, I mean, I'm seeing people getting crazy with it. You know, I'm seeing him go 103 in startups of, of you know, some sharks. And I'm like, yeah. whoa. Like, for him to be the 103, he has to have a Jalen Hurts type season and Jalen Hurts has to disappear. You know, like that's, that's, that's the issue with that, right? Like he, we're, we're predicting that he's going to have a similar uptick in value, a similar season to just Jalen Hurts, but he would literally have to be him. And then Jalen Hurts would have to just fall apart. Yeah. And that's just from a fantasy perspective. I mean, Jalen Hurts also led his team to the Super Bowl, right? So like there's a whole nother level of job security that I don't think Fields is going to go, you know, 11 and six with the bears this year. I mean, maybe, but, um, yeah, and I think that's all all really important talk. We're just trying to stay liquid. We're trying to get we're trying to minimize risk, mitigate that risk, cut it down as much as possible by insulating, making those trades. If you guys want, I mean, examples that I've made in the past that have just been huge is like Devontae Adams for DK Metcalf in a first before Metcalf blew up, you know, and even like when AJ Brown was down, it was DeAndre Hopkins for AJ Brown in a second. You know, like there's moves that you can make when you insulate it where both pieces could literally be worth more than the said piece when you make them. I think the more you can stay liquid, the more you can mitigate risk, the better your rebuild opportunities are going to be. And listen, this is for people that like to make trades. Like if you are not risk averse and you need to get coached up on this, hit up either of us. But it's a matter of like, you're going to have to be a volume trader. I mean, my rebuilds that I did last year, one of them I made 22 in-season trades. The other one I made 24 because you have to scour the waiver wire. You have to trade the the veteran in the fourth for a third and then the right. third. In a, and I know you did that today, even like cascading picks yeah. and, and taking a guy like Sky Moore and turning him into something. Yeah, so I, I did that today. I I traded Sky Moore for 205 and 303, and then I traded those, I, I think it was actually... 205 and 302 for David Njoku, right? Like just those trades are just picking up value. So I got David Njoku for Sky Moore and I love Sky Moore. So that's a little bit sad to say. It was actually my first share that I traded. Um, Yeah. One, I mean, the first year that I actually uh, did a tank in dynasty was after the 2019 season. I kicked it off by trading Melvin Gordon and Jared Goff for the picks that became Joe Burrow and Jonathan Taylor. Um, I have won back-to-back uh, titles in that league, and I'm going to be, you know, winning the next few. So, well, and when you make them though, like I, I made a similar one in 2019 into 2020, where I traded Aaron Rodgers for a 23 first that became Justin Herbert. You know, yeah. like I got something plus for just and Herbert versus Rodgers. Now it's like people look at it. You have to get out there ahead of the curve. You have to be willing to take those risks. But those firsts are going to insulate that risk, and they're going to give you that opportunity to get. And next year's class, like you and I have been talking about, is is going to be special, just like 2023. And and one thing that I wanted to say about the first, um, that's a parallel to what we were talking about earlier. So we were talking about earlier, the first thing you need to do is acquire your first. That's step one of the rebuild, because you know it's going to be a valuable first. Other people don't. You can take advantage of that same knowledge gap on the other end. And this is something I do all the time. If I know that I'm about to make a win now trade, I'm going to, so if I'm at the end of a rebuild, I rebuild for a year, I'm ready to compete, but my team still looks young. I came in 12th last year. My, everyone thinks my team sucks. Yes. I'm going to try to trade my 25, 26 first. Let's say it's after the season. I'm going to trade my 26 first and be like, look, my team is trash. All I have is draft picks. They're not going to be ready to compete. They're rookies. But I know in the chamber, I got a deal of these three picks for these three Mm -hmm. superstars. Or even if not, I just know I'm going to be going down that path. You take advantage of that knowledge gap and trade the future early first 
for a, you know, superstar that's not worth, you know, a late first. So that's another way to take advantage of the knowledge gap. And that's why when I, when people ask me, you know, should I do this trade, uh, T Higgins for X, Y, Z in a future first, I say, let me see the team in the future first. They say, Oh, they're, you know, they send me the starting lineup. I'm like, I can't just see the starting lineup because mm-hmm. I need to know how much value that team has, right. because that's how you got to value picks. Because if that team, even if they suck, if they have a lot of value, they can compete like that as soon as they want to. So make sure you're looking at the bench, make sure you're looking at the IR. I know that's a little trick that I sometimes do put a guy into, Oh, I, my team sucks, but I have Kyle Pitts and Brees Hall in my IR mm-hmm. and all these picks. So that's another thing to look at when you're evaluating those future picks. I love this because every time you and I get on together, I, I learn something. I hope you do as well. Me too. Oh, and yeah. we're just scratching the surface on this. I mean, if you guys enjoy our collaborations, make sure you guys hit us both up. You know, obviously we're we're trying to bring you guys the best content, but I mean, like I, I really enjoy chopping it up with you. So why don't you tell everybody what you're working on? I'll uh, do the same and then we'll close it out. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's been awesome collaborating you. We're going to do it with you. We're going to do it a lot more. So this is the first of a few podcasts that's going to be on both of our feeds, um, which is awesome. Uh, I think we're going to probably do a, you know, co-smash except Bach draft once we get close to rookie season, a whole bunch of stuff coming up. Um, so if you're listening to this on the smash except feed, um, rate and review smash except because it, it's the best. Uh, give them five stars. They deserve it. And then uh, once you're done with that, hop over to the Dynasty Zoltan Pop podcast. Give me a like, a subscribe. Um, I'm doing prospect previews that I'm really excited about. Just had the great Ryan McDowell on last week, which was super exciting. We talked about all the positional battles post-free agency. As I uh, mentioned as well, I have a Patreon with my rankings, et cetera, as well as the Dynasty Diagnostics that I talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, You know, obviously I'm biased, but I really think it's a must if you're going through this rebuild. I'm here to help you through it, uh, get you to those championship games in 2024. I love it. I'm looking forward to jumping on your podcast. Obviously, check out everything that, that he's doing. Obviously, at Smash Except, we're going to start doing some mini rookie pods. You know, 10-minute. We're about to record one here. But yep. really, some 10-minute consumable things so you can guys can go out and check that out. We're going to have all the threads, the rankings, everything over there in the Patreon. Uh, if you guys aren't on for Smash Except Patreon. So, guys, I mean, this is exciting time, you know, for, for both the podcasts. Make sure you check out Dynasty Zoltan. Thanks again for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process. Hey, yo!